I'm Michael Kaiser. And I'm John Wilson. And welcome to another episode of Make Ours Marvel. This is episode eight. No, it's not. This is episode <laughs> ten of the show, because I can count, kids. After nine is eight, it doesn't go backwards. No, gosh, let's not go backwards. Did I just say it wrong again? After nine is ten, it doesn't go backwards. You know, here we are, two digits, ready to celebrate, and I'm messing it all up. Why Why am I on this show with you? Why did you are, let me do this? Are we on episode eight, nine, ten? Who knows? It is ten. Definitely we are, ten. We are now older than my son, who is nine. Yay. <laughs> um, and we're picking up our coverage of early Marvel with the second week of September 1962. Uh, Marvel in this period was was clumping all their books into two weeks each month. So we did the first week, and now we're going to do the second week. And um, just going to just going to put things up on front straight here, folks. Um, it's it's really easy for us to enjoy Fantastic Four and sometimes Hulk and sometimes Thor. It's sometimes a little bit harder for us to enjoy the Torch or the Ant Man and um, and I like I like the Ant Man and so I, I don't you know dislike the stories we're doing for him this episode. But all that to say that this this might not be the most positive episode that we've done so far because all we have today are these smaller stories. It's less about enjoyment because I have not regretted reading any of these. I enjoy reading them. It's more about how do you be critical sometimes about and i mean critical in a positive or negative way because that's why we're here we're here to dissect these and you know figure out something to say and sometimes i'll read an issue and just be like "Mm, i don't know what i have to say about that one and oftentimes that's an ant-man or a human torch story Mm -hmm. so we'll see so um we're starting out with strange tales 103 and it is my turn to do the recap Mm -hmm. um this is the prisoner of the fifth dimension Sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. So what happens is um, Johnny Storm. <laughs> yeah. Here's uh, he goes to school, which I guess, you know, he'd have to. We've never seen this before. It's kind of weird. Um, and there is this construction company that's building houses in the swamplands of New York. And he's he's doing what you do in construction to solidify the soil. He's putting in hard soil. He's putting down foundation beams, whatever it is you're supposed to do. He's doing it. But somehow his houses are still sinking into the ground. So Johnny sets out to investigate and discovers that from the fifth dimension has come this little imp guy named Mixius Pitalik. <laughs> and he and Mixius Pitalik go around and Mixie Pitalik, he's like this, um, this excuse like, me, mischievous excuse guy. Me. Excuse me. It's Mixoplik. <laughs> Mixoplik. <laughs> um and he makes he makes Johnny Storm say his name backwards and Nam Repus or something, and that's how they that's how they save the day. Yep, now, the end. Oh, the end. Um, now what happens is okay. There's this old guy. All the stuff about the the, the building singing in the swamps that was real. Um, there's also this old guy. He's like, eh, it's swamp demons. I tell you, it's swamp demons. And um, they're like, no, swamp demons aren't real, dude. Go back home. <laughs> Um, and Johnny decides to like trail people out in the swamps. I forget how he picks the actual people, but he trails the people and, um, he sees them take off their faces and they're actually aliens. And they have this, this laser gun that shoots a house or shoots the soil around the house and makes it all warbly so that the house sinks right into it. 
And then when they stop shooting, this soil solidifies again. And so you have this house that's in the ground. There's no possible explanation as to why. So Johnny decides he's going to take care of this. He sees the old man and the old man takes off his face and he's the leader of the aliens. And they're from the fifth dimension. And the uh, leader guy shoots Johnny with his laser beam. They go to another world. And now suddenly we're in sci-fi land. Um, in the other world, it's alien world. And Johnny has been captured. And the aliens put him on display. And there are these other aliens that like want to revolt against the main aliens. And one of them is a pretty woman because, of course, she is. And she likes Johnny because, of course, she does. And so while he's in a cage, unable to do anything, I think he's trapped in water. Yeah. Um, she decides to bust him out and they take down the alien leaders. And then she wants him to stay and have her babies. But he's like, no, babe, I've got to go back and be a stupid teenager at the earth. And um, he does. He goes back to school thinking about how if only Lana knew that he was Clark. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. The end. The end. Um, somewhere in there, there was like giant tanks as I'm flipping through the pages now. Um, well, I mean, there was a bunch of obstacles and he overcame them basically. Yeah. Yeah. But I have to know every single obstacle to know the story. Although the giant, the, the giant tanks did remind me of another podcast you and I did way back in the day. One of those early Captain America comic stories had like either giant tanks or giant trains or something. And the Red Skull was in charge of them. And I don't know, for some reason it reminded me of that. Well, he does defeat the tanks with that superpower move that I kind of complained about in, uh, I think, issue three or something, where he he flies so fast he turns into a super tornado and, like, they all break apart. Oh, yeah, that's dumb. Yeah, that's twice he's done that. I was hoping it would just never happen again. But it's like, really, he's that fast. So he not only has flame power, but he can create tornadoes. Yeah, I mean, if he flies so quickly, it's going to turn the world the air into a vortex, but... Super speed is not Johnny's power. No. In fact, we neglected to say in the last issue of Fantastic Four, last episode, they do have a page on how he flies. And it has nothing to do with super speed that I remember. Okay, yeah. Actually, I've got that up in front of me. They go through his flying. They go through um, his biggest enemy is water, so he tries to avoid. He pays attention to rain forecasts. <laughs> Right. <laughs> it tries to avoid the rain. I'm actually yeah. kind of glad that we left that off last episode because now we yeah. can talk about it in the context of Strange Tales. Yes. And it seems that much more ridiculous. <laughs> right. Uh, um, okay, so we've had one guest appearance by The Thing, one guest appearance by The Invisible Woman, and now we get a guest appearance by Reed Richards. He had a little cameo at the beginning, talks to him on the TV screen. Yeah, and he basically blows him off, says, "I this seems really weird and fishy. Go ahead and investigate, but we can't help you right now. We're busy. Yeah. It reminds me of the early issues when Reed was lying all the time. Yeah. Like, Reed Reed just doesn't care. He is yeah. lying through his stretchy teeth right here. I bet you Sue and, like, uh, the thing are playing Parcheesi in the other room, and Reed is just up to his elbows in experiments that he feels like doing that have nothing to do with accomplishing anything for the team. And he's like, yeah, that does seem weird that the Foundation doesn't work. And as the only member of the Fantastic Four who understands about Foundations and Houses, I could help you. But we're really busy doing Fantastic Four stuff right now, so you just take care of it. And, like, if Sue, the Thing, and Reed are busy with another case, why <laughs> isn't Johnny involved with that? Right? Because he's supposed to be at school? I guess. It's neat Where that he has, he has a Fantastic Four TV in his room, though. That's kind of cool. 
If Galactus invades during class hours, make sure you finish history before you come out. Yeah. I need the ultimate nullifier, Johnny, but darn it, you're still in Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I would put down money that we never see Johnny in school again. I know there's the bit like later where he's looking at colleges and stuff, and that's where he meets Wyatt Wingfoot. But like, yeah. here in high school as a teenager, I don't I, I don't think we ever see this again. Like, I do like these opening pages. Uh, this big, oh, I'm late for school, flame on. And then he, like, there's this like half splash page or three quarter splash page of him flying around the campus. And then he tucks in. You know, behind the school becomes in as Johnny, and I thought that's going to be really great when it's Spider Man. Yeah, it's a really cool little bit. It's just not this guy. No, but it's like Stan it's really, really wants this kind of character. He wants a young mm-hmm. kid who goes to school and is secretly a superhero. So right now he's trying desperately to make that be Johnny, even though he's already created this world where that couldn't possibly be Johnny. Um, so yeah, he I guess Stop. apparently at some point figures out that it's supposed to be Spider Man. Stop trying to make fetch happen. Fetch isn't going to happen. Right. Um, oh, you know what just occurred to me? So we have June 1962 where Thor started in Journey to Mystery. Ant-Man came back and Tales to Astonish. And Spider-Man started in Amazing Fantasy 15. Mm-hmm. And then Amazing Fantasy got canceled. Mm-hmm. So maybe the Human Torch and Strange Tales was intended as a I can't do Spider-Man. So I might as well do this other idea. Yeah. Maybe he actually was a stand-in for Spider-Man for a while. And then later on, like six freaking months later, they're like, oh, no, we can we can do Spider-Man. Let's do him over here well, in his own book. Okay, we established at some point that Marvel right now has an allotment of titles they're allowed to have, right? Like eight right. or something. So when did we figure out when Amazing Fantasy got canceled what replaced it? We did not. I did not go through looking at the different stuff. Because I'd wonder, like, if he thought Spider-Man was popular and if everybody... I don't know what kind of letters they got about Spider-Man because the title got canceled. But, like, does uh, did he not just immediately think, why not Amazing Spider-Man number one? I guess not. That's a good question. I don't see any low-numbered issues. I mean, there's Linda Carter, student nurse. Oh, I forgot about all that stuff. That's probably what it was, something like that. Yeah, because they're, they're publishing 12 issues a month. Okay. Um, and sometimes those are Linda Carter student nurse issues and as those are other, other stuff, a lot of their issues are bi-monthly and so they can trade out titles between different months. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard to say. Yeah. And so much of that is hearsay that I'm not sure exactly how much is actually fact versus what we think is going on. There's some Spider-Man fan out there right now jumping up and down going, I know, I know. <laughs> so write to us at podcast at makearsmarvel.com and give us an education. Because the one thing know. I, the one thing I can tell you is that the often believed idea that Hulk was canceled to make way for Amazing Spider-Man is not true. Okay, we know that um, because we've been reading Hulk. Right. Well, and also <laughs> Hulk number six comes out after Spider-Man number one. Oh well, that so the, too. But the, it's canceled around the same time, but not beforehand. <laughs> it's canceled because they can't figure out what to do with the Hulk. But anyway. <laughs> Um, the old guy at the beginning of this story reminds me of the old guy in the Thor story, the first Thor story. Is like, uh, yeah, they're they're aliens out there. Same they're guy. swamp demons. It's the same guy. He's gone. Only he's not saying by Odin in this one, which is how you knew he was old. So that means though that that guy was an alien in that Thor comic, and he just didn't like the competition. Oh, because the Saturn men were there, and he was complaining about them. Yeah, he's the one who reported it. You're right. Anyway. 
Um, I was kind of surprised that we were doing the fifth dimension because that was a thing. The fifth dimension is a thing. And they're using the fifth dimension. Makes his piddlick's been around since the 40s. Oh, oh, that kind of a thing. I thought you meant like yeah. real life. It was theorized there's a fifth dimension or something. I mean, it's 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 not a copyrightable name like Krypton, but it is kind of like saying, and then Johnny Storm went to Krypton. And it's just yeah. like. But now I want to know if DC didn't just steal that from something. Well, it's the a, fifth dimension is like a mathematical concept that, you know, there's the fourth dimension, the fifth dimension, everything else, but. Okay. Ben it's also an American popular music vocal group, <laughs> but that didn't come out till 1965, so it's probably not them. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I guess it's a mathematical it's, something that came out in 1921. If if there's a music group in 1965 and this is 1962, then maybe it's just one of those phrases that's like in vogue at the time. I don't know. I don't know. Or they totally ripped it off of DC. That's completely possible. So the whole pretty girl comes to the hero's aid thing is mm-hmm. kind of tired. Um, I don't know if it's tired by this point in the 60s, but it's certainly tired by 2018. I'm just glad that she's – at least she's part of a group yes. that is working together. It's she's not just the, her. She's like the daughter of the guy who's like in charge of the rebellion or something. Right. And he she's, does – She's Princess Leia. She is. Yeah. But green. And named – Valeria, which is a name that seems to be common in Fantastic Four stories. I looked that up because that name did sound very familiar. And I was like, are we going to see this character again? But not her. Well, we will see her again two more times, I guess. But yeah, that's the, the weird thing is that, okay. The name. Yeah, okay. So, it's, so it's going to be um, Johnny's niece mm-hmm. is going to be Valeria Richards. And also Dr. Doom has a lost love named Valeria. And Doctor Doom's wife? Well, that might he, be the wife. I, I saw Lost Love in a brief, a brief sentence that I. I'm saw. sorry. Did you say Doctor Doom? For some reason, yeah. I my brain translated, and I thought you said Doctor Strange. That's weird. <laughs> Her too. <laughs> <laughs> doctor, Doctor, what's the difference? Um, but yeah, like you were just saying, Valeria does come back. And her dad, Zemu, who's like the big name in this issue. I never even mentioned him. Zemu, the king who's evil in this, he comes back. Roy Thomas does that. And Roy, what are you doing? Yeah. Well, I'm cool with Dimensions and the Fantastic Four, you know? Like, that's kind of their bag. Yeah. I don't know about other teams. Like, we had Thor doing his uh, go to the future thing, and that didn't really gel with me too much. But Uh uh-huh. Like, if the Fantastic Four visit the Fifth Dimension all the time, I'd be cool with that. Because they're supposed to be, like, crazy sci-fi explorer-y people. It's kind of sad that it's just the Human Torch. It'd be neat if it was all the Fantastic Four. And if we learned a little more about the Fifth Dimension, other than they have a lot of tanks and they want to kill us. And for some reason, they have a heck of a lot of gadgets that defeat fire. Right. Like a even lot. Though, even though they didn't know the Human Torch was coming. But, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so, like, the fifth dimension in this story isn't particularly interesting other than everybody's green. That's how we know we're in the fifth dimension, I guess. Right, and there's some – I think there's some mustache. Yeah, and some people have some crazy eyebrows. And, obviously, the outfits are all bizarre and stuff. So, that's kind of cool. I think they didn't really explore a lot, like, what it's all about other than, like I said, yeah, tyranny. So These actually kind of remind me a lot of Kang's people. Like, yeah. Valeria could be – what's her name? Namora or R- 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 Ravana. Ravana. Um, 
Kang's love that gets frozen in time or whatever. Mm-hmm. Anyways, but I'm I'm pretty well done on this issue. If you unless you had other stuff, no, no, I think that was it. Okay, Just a setup in a big fight. The end. Flipping through to the end of it, so it'll be ready for 104 when we come back to it. If we get back to it in this episode, um, but until then, we are going to be astonished. Da 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 da. da. Ant Man. Tales to Astonish number 38, which, if my memory serves and I click the right button, came out in September September 11, 9-11, 1962, just like this last issue we talked about. Yep. Um, and it's my turn to summarize. On the cover is Egghead, like, reaching out to kill Ant-Man, and it says, you're hopelessly stuck to the flypaper, Ant-Man. Your own ants have led you into my trap. So how, dun, dun, is, he going, how is he going to get out of this, kids? How is it going to happen? Let's find out. So the story opens with a bunch of villains complaining about how awesome Batman is. I mean, Ant-Man. How he's everywhere and they can't stop him. And like he's got ears all over Gotham City. I mean, New York City. Um, So then they read about in the paper this guy who's been fired from the government for what they thought was possibly him trying to sell secrets or sell nuclear technology. They could never prove it, but they don't like him anyway, so they fired him. And this guy's supposed to be brilliant. So they're like, hey, this guy sounds nefarious and smart. They agree to pay him money. His name's Egghead, by the way, because he has a head that looks like an egg. Sadly. Um, I'm, I'm not sure what his real name is, Dr. Egeriamenis or something like that. He has um, an actual name, but they never talked about it in this one. Okay. Yeah, so like all his coworkers and stuff calling him Eggman. Anyway, uh, he agrees to take the challenge of taking down the Batman. <laughs> his name is actually Ivo Robotnik. <laughs> okay, so that's why they all call him Egghead. Um, he agrees to take down the challenge, take on the challenge of taking down the Ant Man, um, and he pulls a. Uh, he reads all the papers on Hank Pym. I just made that up, but that's pretty much what he must do because he figures out his own way of communicating with ants. That's his first go, and he goes and finds a big pile of ants. And he stands there in the park talking to him, and he basically says, listen, guys, there's going to be a regime change here, okay? If you trick Ant-Man, because I know you talked to him, if you trick Ant-Man into falling into my trap, basically trying to stop me and my friends from stealing this jewelry thing, and you convince him to like jump through this certain window at this certain time of night, I can stop him. And then you guys can rule, and you don't have to listen to that fool anymore. Okay? Are we all good? Thumbs up? Well, you don't have any thumbs. I'm going to assume that's thumbs up. See you later. And he takes off, and uh, Ant-Man does show up as they are robbing this jewelry store. Um, and he does jump through the window, just like Egghead wanted. Egghead's sitting there waiting with like a, what do you call that thing, a billow or something? One of those like uh, things you squeeze together to... Fan, yeah, like flame. a bellow. A bellow, yeah. bello, not billow. A bellow, yeah. And he bellow and he shoots him into the this box that has like uh, flypaper, uh, but it does not stick to Ant Man. Ant Man just gets up and shrugs, like, "What else you got?" And then he shows off his new awesome springs in his feet that allow him to be propelled out of the box on his own power, no longer having to ride on ants. Um, and he flies up and he starts taking on the, the whole room full of people with his, you know, his, his, the fact that he retains his human strength, his full size human strength. He's like tripping guys and grabbing them and spinning them around and like a lasso and stuff like that. And they're all running. They're like, let's get the heck out of here. This Batman's too hard to beat. I mean, Ant-Man's too hard to beat. And they run out the door and they find that all their cars have flats. And just then the police pull up 
And Ant-Man, uncharacteristically for once, stays around to talk to the guy, to the police. And he explains, while Egghead is hiding in a bush somewhere, that he knew all along Egghead was going to try and trap him. Because, you see, ants don't work that way. Ants aren't about a power struggle. Ants know their place. Ants do what they're doing because that's how they survive. So they're happy to listen to what he has to say. They're happy that he's their leader and they would never betray him. So they just told him the whole story. And just, he, just, just, just quick interjection. It's not just ants that don't work that way. All insects don't work that oh. way, which is going to be important later in the episode. Okay. All insects. Um, so he knew that was going to happen. So he like, uh, coated himself with some sort of anti-flypaper ointment or something. And then he was able just to beat them all. Oh, and he flattened their tires before he even went through the window. He was supposed to, you know, go through for the trap, quote unquote trap. Um, And the police are all like, man, Ant-Man, you're the best. And he goes home and Egghead like sneaks away and ends up in like this halfway house where he's like growing his facial hair out and he's all depressed and people are watching him going, who's that loser? And some guy's like, I don't know. And that's the end. Yeah, they make a comment about how he probably doesn't have any intelligence or, or something. I forget how they phrase it. But mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so were you familiar with Egghead or how did you know Egghead before this story? I've certainly heard of Egghead. I don't know that I've read any Egghead. And if you were to ask me who Egghead is the villain of, I probably would have guessed the Fantastic Four. Okay. So I didn't realize that Egghead, Egghead's first appearance was an Ant-Man story. No. All right, because for me, he does appear a couple times in Tales to Astonish, and then again in like the later Marvel feature, whatever run that Ant-Man has. So to me, Egghead is primarily an Ant-Man villain, and I think he made some comment in passing a few episodes back about Egghead, and he was surprised he was Ant-Man. So I was like, oh, well, where yeah. else does he come in later? I don't um, know, but I know who Eggman is. Maybe – you know why I know who Eggman is? Egghead is Eggman. Because I used to read, like, official handbooks of the Marvel Universe, so he's probably in that. It's funny that you keep calling him Eggman, because that's the name of the evil bad guy on Sonic the Hedgehog, Dr. Eggman. And that's <laughs> See, where my I played that either. Ivo Robotnik was a joke referring to that earlier, because um, that's what Dr. Eggman's name is. He's Dr. Robotnik. Um, okay. But, okay, so, you know, we like to make fun, I say we. The fandom zeitgeist likes to make fun of certain artists because their proportions are off or their bodies don't look realistic. Or, you know, sometimes in the 90s, those really muscular guys with tiny heads kind of look like a person standing behind a large muscle body. And like Rob Liefeld. And and I like Liefeld. I like that style. But, you know, there, there are certain, you know, tropes about it. So the title page of this comic... The title page of this comic is Bonkers. Bonkers. It looks like this prop of this this arm attached to, like, a stand. And the egghead is, like, standing behind that, peeking out the top of it. It does not look remotely like a human form. It's it's Yeah. They got the perspective wrong on that or something. It's hard, probably, because he's an Ant-Man-sized person. Right. Um... So what would that guy really look? Yeah, it's just all bizarre. The camera angle's wrong or something. You're right. It looks like a dummy, and then like his head's poking just behind it. It's weird. And the 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 the, the cool perspectives are one of the neat things about this comic is you get like you know the oversized yeah. stuff and and um, it's hard to do foreshortening like that, and you have to kind of, sometimes getting photo reference and just copying the proportions from that is the best way to do it. 
Um, I, I, I think they should have either zoomed in tighter on Ant-Man to make mm-hmm. that work. Because the problem is, is it's like a mid-level shot. So Ant-Man's kind of far away too, but this hand is like right on our forehead. Right. Yeah, it, just, it just looks weird. Like if Ant-Man was closer, I think maybe it would work. I don't know. Somehow the distance of that shelf does not seem to match the length of the arm. Right. Yeah. Although I think that what they're trying to do is that Ant-Man is in the far foreground and the hand's about to reach out and grab him, but it doesn't work out that way. It just doesn't look right, yeah. Um. So, you know, you have Egghead, and he's this, like, scientist who's um, trying to sell atomic information, and he's like, you're to a genius like me, or insipid patriotic ramblings are la- laughable. And I'm like, I wonder about the science council, the council of scientists who was – you know, on Henry Pym's case, what 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 are their opinions on this guy? Does he have to go to the same science council meetings? Yeah. How'd this guy even get hired with that attitude? I don't know. Maybe it's just like after weeks of working there and like Mildred always taking his sandwich from the from the <laughs> break room. That's gotta be it. He kills her <laughs> on the way out. Um, uh, I do like that. Amp, like I kept saying Batman just as a joke. It wasn't on accident, but it, I like that this like Ant-Man has just created this career for himself where like this entire city is protected by the Ant-Man, you know, <laughs> to the point where these criminals are getting together to try and figure out how to stop him. I mean, even and, Thor, and I do love no one's even doing spaces. that for Thor. Yeah. So like Ant-Man's legit superhero. He's the only legit superhero we read. You know, you're if right. You go, if you go by the stereotype. If you go by this, the tropes of superheroes, yeah, Ant Man is doing all of the things. He's working with the police. Yeah. They they wish for him to help with the cases. He shows up out of nowhere. Ant Man yep. is the Marvel superhero right now. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I, I think it's pretty great. I like Ant Man. I mean, yeah. I think he's one of those characters who is better than his stories. Yeah, um, okay, I'd go with that, but. You know, Thor is currently better than his stories, but he's going to get some better stories. Ant-Man is better than his stories. I'm not sure, you know, his, they, they very, they, they fluctuate so much. And honestly, um, this is one of the better ones. I would say for me, my favorite Hank Pym is like when they're on the West Coast Avengers. And I've read so little of that. I really want to read that. Yeah. And then he's not even Ant-Man or Giant-Man. He's just Hank Pym. The scientist. Yeah. But I mean, he still has the ability to shrink things and grow things and all that, but. Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah. Okay, so I remember years ago podcasting this with Lily on Avengers Inspirations and mm-hmm. we got to the part where Egghead is crouching over the anthill. Mm-hmm. And it just it struck us as so ridiculous. Here's this guy who thinks he knows how to talk to ants. Mm-hmm. So he goes out to the anthill and has his little microphone, his little speaker, and like talks to the anthill for a while. And right. kinda like you were doing. Okay. Y'all good? You're not answering. You can take that as okay. And he goes on about his business, but it's just so absurd. Like even the the pictures of the ants close up of their faces, they look like, what? What? (laughs) What is this dude? It's like when you're talking to your dog. Do you want to go outside? Huh? Huh? I think I do. Um he does mention the greed and vanity of the ants. And I'm glad that later on that that's the trick to the story. Cause, um, I was like, ants have greed and vanity, but he drives away. The first phase yeah. of my plan is over. The ants will not be able to resist the temptation I've offered. I've appealed to their greed and their vanity. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> That's what I thought too. I was thinking if this story plays out correctly, there will not be any greed or vanity when it comes to ants since they are, you know, their whole thing is all about hierarchy and knowing what they're supposed to do. And like you said earlier, Ant-Man has built up this whole like mystique about himself. He does not come into the story until page five of a 10 page story. And this story has functioned pretty well. Mm-hmm. Ant-Man's presence has been felt, but he has not been seen until now. Wow. That's a good point. Yeah, absolutely. And even when he shows up, it's just silence and he just was there because he's part of the plot to get trapped. And it isn't until what page where he actually starts talking about a page nine when he starts actually explaining things to everybody. Yeah. We don't get his perspective on this story until then, which, um, works. Yeah, it does really work. I like um, his the, new boots. Yeah, with the springs in them. Mm-hmm. That's very handy. That's much better than, you know, jumping on an ant and saying, ride me out of this box. Because every time he does that, I always envision like this ant taking like a half an hour to get out of that box. Yeah, like do ka do ka do do So it's cool that he can just like leap up now. When you're sitting there like on the toilet and you notice an ant and you like yeah. watch him. <laughs> and you can do your entire business and the ant has moved like four inches. Right. So, um, and the bad guy gets away at the end of this one, which is becoming, becoming mm-hmm. a thing. Oh yeah. Um, and I, and he talks to the cops. That's very, he hasn't done that so far. Yes. This is his first time to really work with the police directly. Um, um what page is the end on page 10 where he's mm-hmm. like, it's flashing back to him. There's two things that made me laugh. One, it makes sense, but he shrinks down before he bathes himself in the fly paper, anti fly paper ointment or whatever <laughs> and it's just a cute little picture of him like like this little bowl and he's all like naked taking a bath but uh oh just what just i like to tease the future naked hank pym is going to make a recurrence right and then the next picture is him explaining how he deflated their tires before they came out right and stole their keys so that they couldn't get away and it's just a picture of him like puncturing this tire and like this big whoosh and, you know, this air coming out. And that just made me think of Night at the Museum. Um, <laughs> you know that scene where, like, they, they take out the tires and it's like, to them, it's this big, epic, wind-blowing moment. Like, hold on! You know? Mm-hmm. And then it cuts it cuts back to our perspective where you don't even hear anything happening. Or like in the Ant-Man movie, whenever Tommy, uh, the Thomas the tank, tank engine is, or train engine is bearing right. down on him. And right. it's like, wide shot, train falls off. <laughs> yeah. No big deal. <laughs> no big deal. Yeah. I like that stuff. Yeah. That's a good issue. I like this one. Um, well, speaking of liking things, we have reached the end of September 1962. <gasps> oh, no. Are you serious? I am totally serious. I'm not prepared. So we uh, have we have Thor with time travel with the Tomorrow Man. We have Incredible Hulk 2 stories with uh, the monster in the machine and Mongu the communist. We have the Fantastic Four versus Submariner Studios. Johnny Storm and the Fifth Dimension, Ant-Man versus Egghead. Hmm. What's going to be your top pick or bottom pick? Top pick, I'm going to give it to Ant-Man. Yay! Because that'll probably be the last time I ever do that. So let's do it. I thought it was a good, you know, just a straight up solid story. Like you said, I, I didn't even realize this, but that is one of the reasons that's cool. Is like he's not even really in it. It's just kind of about him. Uh-huh. You know, it's like that that episode of... Uh, Batman the Animated Series, where the entire thing is them telling stories about how Batman beat them up. 
you know, he's not even really in the issue other than in flashback or the episode other than in flashbacks, that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, it just gave it like, it gives Ant-Man a little more world building, I guess. And my least favorite, God, I'm going to say, I'm going to say Thor only because it really doesn't feel like a Thor story. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's not a whole lot different than Strange Tales. This, you know, both of them just go to these weird places and then beat up something that's there and then go home. Uh, so I could easily say Strange Tales also, except at least with Strange Tales, the Fantastic Four or a member of the Fantastic Four would hop to another dimension. And Thor, it just seems weird that like this god guy is asking Odin how to travel to the future. Yeah. Well, I, I do like that Thor story. Um the time travel doesn't really throw me off that much. And Zarko, the Tomorrow Man, because he does show up a couple times here in the 60s, he feels like just a Thor guy, even mm. though he rarely doesn't have that many stories. Um, but I did decide to give it to Ant-Man. because Your least favorite? No, it's my favorite. Oh, I, like, okay. I like the Thor story, but I'm going to give the top spot to Ant-Man. Uh-huh. Because as we're going through it here, I don't have any complaints about this issue. No. I mean, the splash page is bonkers, but that's not really part of the story. And, you know, there are a couple things in the story, Thor story that's sort of like, eh, it doesn't really work that well. So Ant-Man is taking my first place as well this time around. Um, and as far as bottom, you know, you liked the Fantastic Four more than I did this time around. Um, but I could, th- there, there's still a lot of stuff in there to like. So it's trying to decide between the Hulk and the Human Torch. Mm-hmm. And the first story in that Hulk was random. And the second yeah. was a combination of two bad tropes. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. So, although there are things in the Hulk story to like, there are also a lot of things to not like. And while that can also be said about the torch, I actually kind of enjoyed the romp the torch was on. It wasn't great, but I kind of had a fun time. And yeah. less so with the Hulk. So the Hulk is my bottom vote this time around. Um, and, yeah. So... The Hulk is very, a very, very, um, I think of all the titles we read right now, the Hulk has not found his legs. Yeah, he really hasn't, which, you know, knowing that he only has two more issues is kind of easy to see why. Yeah. Like I, I felt like at least, at least one issue of all these titles we've read has, has, you know, made an impression on me, but the Hulk like kind of bombs every time. Um, I think that maybe, uh, whenever Lily and I were podcasting about it, I think by about this point, we were ready for the Hulk to be gone. Yeah. <laughs> yep. But only two more. So we'll see how that goes. Um, but we don't want to waste time talking about the Hulk because we have more comics here to talk about. So diving into October. Ooh. Um, October. What is it? October 2nd. The first week October of October, 2nd. which is October 2nd. And the first thing we're going to talk about is Journey into Mystery. What is it? 87. 87. Okay. Twelve, 12 cents. Yeah. Um, gosh. This issue, though. <laughs> Come on now. Don't don't undersell it. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So the cover is just it's it's a it's a communist soldier or general yep. or whatever yelling at Thor, who's wrapped up in chains, and um, he's prisoner of the Reds, and it's yep. just like ugh. So what's happening is that there are scientists who are disappearing. 
and no one knows what's happening to them. They think they're being abducted, but no one really knows. And um, Jane's like, I wish Thor would take care of it. And so Don's like, I'll get an idea. I'm going to go to Washington, D.C. and talk to the people in like national security about how I can help out. And he decides to pose as one of these scientists, kind of like Henry Pym posed as a jewelry shop owner. Don Blake mm-hmm. is going to pose as a scientist and see what happens. And sure enough, strange dude in an overcoat shows up to take his picture for a magazine. And the picture is a hypnotism beam. Hypnotizes Don Blake, abducts Don Blake, takes him to, you know, like you said before, nondescript Iron Curtain place. And puts him in prison with all the other prisoners. All the other scientists have been imprisoned. Um, does Jane go along with them? No. No. Did Jane go to the scientist's office? Jane let the guy in. Okay, so yeah, so she was there while he was trying to be a scientist. So she was helping him do that. But she does not go with him to the uh, prison. And no. so he's in with the other scientists. He's like, oh, how am I going to turn into Thor with all these people here? And a guy walks in and says, oh, going to separate all you out. So that you can't talk to each other. Or you Excuse might- me. My name is Plot Device, and I need to separate everybody now. Right. And that way this guy can turn into Thor. So they do, and he does. And he busts out, and he beats up the guys. And at one point, they wrap him up in these chains that are electronically powered to match even Thor's fantastic godlike strength. Um, when they do this, they take his hammer from him. And then I guess they leave the room. Mm-hmm. And after 60 seconds, he's like, pshaw, pshaw. now he's Don Blake. He's like, do, 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 do. I'll squeeze out of these chains because I'm so small now. And I'll go get my hammer. And he picks up his hammer. And shaw, shaw. He's Thor again. And he beats up the bad guys and saves the scientists. And I forget what else happens. But that's pretty much the gist, right? Uh, he 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 destroys their entire place with his weather and then goes home. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, because he uses. Oh yeah, he uses um, his hammer a couple different ways here. He like rubs it with his hands to make friction to make electric shocks. Thor, he, rub your hammer. <laughs> right. He tamps it twice at one point to make a storm, and uh, of course, when he gets back home, Jane Foster is like, ah, "Thor." But yeah. this issue did have some more mooning from Dawn, which we have not actually seen. In a long time. We mentioned this last time we had a Thor story. We hadn't seen Don Blake thinking about Jane romantically in a while. And here he does. Not since the first appearance. Or the first appearance of Jane. So his second appearance. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Wow. It's not a great story. No. And, I mean, okay. It's just a lot of contrived. Like, for instance, he has this friend in Washington we've never heard of. Now, I guess you could say we don't know a lot about Don Don Blake, so maybe he does have a friend in Washington. But yeah, but that this just is, seems so random. Yeah, this is twice now that he's gotten involved in national efforts. He did like the whole. It makes sense for him as a doctor to do the relief efforts. Mm-hmm. That means he knows people who are doing relief efforts, and now he just goes to the White House and talks to Army intelligence. Yeah, yeah, it's like like again because I'm always comparing this to Superman. It's like he's Clark Kent; and he can just go anywhere and talk to anybody because he's a reporter or something. Yeah, and but maybe, he's a doctor. Maybe so the, shouldn't he just stay home and take care of people? He should be running his doctor's office and taking care of patients. Yeah. And when he does go have a lot of space adventures as Thor under Jack Kirby's pen, one of the things is that like his, his doctor's office like suffers as a result. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Maybe it's the Clark Kent stuff, though, but whenever he gets the hypnosis ray, I half expected his inner Thor to protect him from hypnosis. <laughs> yeah, that didn't work. He's completely uh, um, human when he's human, so that's not so good for him sometimes, I guess. Although he did expect it to happen, uh, but they could have just as easily killed him. He didn't know. Right. He did set himself up to get killed really dead. So I'm not like super political or intelligent about history. I understand what the Cold War was. Um, and you'll note that in all these issues where they fight someone from the Cold War, all they ever say is commie or behind the red curtain. So now we're actually there. Have we been there before? We were there one other time in a Thor issue, at least. Yeah, and, and there was the gargoyle in, in Hulk number one. Okay, and, yeah. And there was actually a poster of of um, the communist leader in Russia at the time, Boris Yeltsin, maybe, uh, on the wall. Okay, so with the gargoyle, we mostly just saw his like little his little uh, you know headquarters, kind of Doctor No headquarters, right? Mm-hmm. So we don't really know where he's from. And then the executioner was clearly from some country where like everybody's oppressed and you know they're you're either poor or you have a rifle, right? Or you're a soldier. And then here it's the same thing. It's like uh, they're being caged in what looks like a medieval, you know, tower or something where the only floor they have is hay and and everybody's like wearing their outfits and they probably get fed once a week or something like that. And I was just kind of wondering, like, where does Stan picture this actually taking place? Because I don't think like Russia was like this. Right. And the only other Cold War areas where everything that touches Russia, which is like what? Uh, I don't even know. Ukraine or something like that? Yeah, but the, so- the Soviet countries? Yeah. So basically, so is the, are these supposed to be like poor Soviet countries that struggle for power or something? I don't know. Or, or are they completely misrepresenting like what they perceive as Russia because everybody hates communists so much? And I, and I, I completely said the wrong name, but yeah, Boris Yeltsin was leader of Russia in the 90s. I don't. Remember if it was like Khrushchev or somebody who was who was the really big communist bad guy in the six, I say bad guy who was the really big communist leader in the sixties? <laughs> I don't know. I I, I should know that. I, I feel like Khrushchev might be a better name. Than well, I mean, you're the Yeltsin. teacher. I don't teach history though. I teach Spanish. Oh, well, but you had to pass <laughs> history to become a teacher. So right? did you? You had to pass oh, history it. to get here today. <laughs> that was a long time ago. I don't remember. <laughs> um. We skipped over it, but at the beginning of the story, Jane Foster is totally motherheading Don Blake, and it's very, very, very May and Peter Parker. And yeah. it's like, here are your allergy pills and your vitamin tablets. Don't forget to take them. Be sure to stay out of drafts. You know how easily you catch cold. How can I forget you never let me? You're so frail. Somebody has to take care of you. The only thing she says that he does that May wouldn't say is, I hope you don't resent my playing motherhead. And I loved all that because I thought, well, at least it shows that she kind of cares about him, right? Mm-hmm. She cares. I mean, that is kind of her job also, I guess, but maybe not to that extent, like caring about his personal problems. She's his nurse. Um, but then it all gets ruined because the next page is her fantasizing about Thor. Like, like his face is literally in her thought bubble. And she's like, gosh, I wonder if he ever catches cold. Yeah. Out loud. Out loud, she says, because... Blake's like, who? Who's, oh, nobody. Just just a guy, you know. <laughs> it's like, oh, Jane. Whatever. But going back to the Iron Curtain, um, they have to capture American scientists because Soviet scientists aren't cool enough. Right. Um, they talk about how theme. 
Thor is like a big person in the Western world, but to be fair, Norway shares a border with Russia. So Western yeah. world is like next door. And also Norway is yeah. called Norway because it's in the north. Yeah. So if anybody would care about Thor, it'd probably be them more than us. Right. And by us, I mean Americans. Um, yeah. And like, you know, Thor, this is kind of like the issue where, where uh, you know, Hulk has to take on eight communists with rifles. It's like, is this really going to be a problem? And it's not. I don't quite understand what elect, what do they call it? Electronically treated chains are. I could only take that as like some sort of electromagnetism going on that like uh, they're, they're I don't know they're they're like bound to each other and therefore you can't break the links apart because the electromagnetism be s- serious magnet yeah I don't know um, but electromagnets can be uber powerful it's kind of crazy how much they can do um, the the hammer in this is such a plot device and I kind of feel like. Stanley gave him the hammer and then just like, you know, you know, it, it can do whatever you want it to do. Cause it's, it's, it's his hammer. Yeah. Yeah. I'm think I'm thinking like, uh, we should have been keeping track of all these powers that it has because I know they'll mostly go away, but I also feel like I've seen, you know, message boards back when I used to read them of like Hulk versus Thor and all this Uber Hulk fans or Uber Thor fans would come out and cite these kind of powers as to why Hulk has no chance. Right. Even though we're all reading that going, yeah, but he did that one time. So does he really do that? Or do we write that off as silly 1962 fiction? I like the hammer helps him fly and has like yeah. a bunch of strength and he can like beat people with it. It's like an impervious metal. Yeah. You don't, you don't need more than that. I'm cool with the weather control too. Yeah. Yeah. God of Thunder. Sort of channeling his god power, though. I mean, he's still the god of thunder. Um, right. Even theoretically, even without his hammer, he's still the god of thunder. Because in actual mythology, Thor has three magical items. The hammer is just one of the three. Right. He has a belt of strength and what else? Gloves. Oh, okay. That can handle the hammer? Uh, yeah, something like that. Like the- yeah, because like you're saying, here we got one, two, three communists pointing a gun at him, right? Mm-hmm. And this is Thor. So is this necessary for him to then have a new power of rubbing his hammer super fast and creating a fiction, a friction that blinds them? Like, why couldn't he just walk up and flick them in the face? Right. That's enough. Um, again, we talked about this before. When he loses his hammer and turns into Don Blake, the hammer yeah. stays a hammer. And all he yeah. has to do is touch it to become Thor again. And now, last time we talked was the loki was that the last issue the loki issue yeah okay and they said something like only thor is strong enough now it says it is said that none but thor can lift it which is the same thing but it's tweaking it just a little bit to where maybe pretty soon we'll have this whole worthy thing happen maybe 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 not maybe it's just a different way of saying only thor can lift it because he's strong right and the other- i do like that idea did we talk about that like it reminds me of uh all-star superman which I'm sure you must have read. Yeah. And he's like the only one who can lift the key that he created. Because he made it out of neutron star matter, right? Right. Instead of a big key, he decided just to make a regular key and put it on his doorstep because no one else can lift it but him. And it's like, that's kind of cool. I do so, like that. I mean, I mean, I like the worthy thing too, except the problem with the worthy thing is I've always wondered what does what defines worthy by this, you know, what is the definition of worthy for this hammer? But we can get into that someday, but... Like, the strength thing is kind of cool. Like, Thor is just the only person in his world that's strong enough to lift this thing. 
And maybe the worthy thing is going to come about whenever we get to the idea of Thor being exiled um, mm-hmm. and cast mm-hmm. away down to Earth. But right now, yeah, everything right now is pointing to Thor is – it's just his strength. He lifts the hammer up because he's strong enough. And as Don Blake – Don Blake can't lift the hammer. But when Don right. Blake touches the hammer, he becomes mm-hmm. Thor again. So that's interesting. Yeah. I wonder – and we've already read these and we've covered them on a different podcast and I just can't remember. But when the Avengers start fighting like Hulk and stuff mm-hmm. or when the Avengers start fighting each other. Oh, no, they start fighting the Hulk because the Hulk turns bad pretty quick. Yeah, he's only like, in the first two issues. Are there are there any slip ups where like the Hulk lifts the hammer and stuff? Because it's just about being strong. We'll find out, I guess. We will find out. The only other note I have on this issue is that when they get to Jane, she talks about how she's so in love with Thor. Mm-hmm. Thor yeah. freed you all and then destroyed the fortress. Is it any wonder that I'm so in love with him? And I was like, yep. Jane, 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 have you ever spoken to the boy? Have you ever, has he ever uh. talked to you? How are you in love with him? I mean, if she just has a major crush, if she's like hot for him, I get it. We all have our celebrity crushes, but in love with him? Yeah. I mean, I'm in love yes. with Henry Cavill. She's acting like a teenager. She is. Um, and I was feeling bad for her. Like, oh, Stan, why do you got to treat her like that? But now I've just decided to hate her. I don't like her. <laughs> She's my least favorite character. My least favorite character that we read. Everything she says makes me groan. And until a writer comes along to redeem that, right now, I hate her. Can't stand her. Well, do you want to move on to the next one? Got time. We do have time for one more. We're not oh. going to do the strange tales we have, but we are going to do... Okay, so we we did this thing again. Tales to Astonish was in the second week of releases in September and the first week of releases in October. And I just made my list. I didn't pay attention to the fact that it was repeating so quickly. So we once again are doubling up on Ant-Man this week, this episode, which I guess is this week. Yay. Tales to Astonish 39. Um, it's this came out October 2nd. Yep. Um, and it's my turn. Da, da, da. Did you get to summarize Eggman or did I have to do that? Okay. So I got a good Ant-Man and now I'm going to get this way, Ant-Man. <laughs> uh, not to spoil anything. <laughs> I have like three notes written down for this show. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Ant-Man's hanging around and he gets like this general bad vibe or a buzz or a communique from his ant network that something bad is going down in the insect community. So rather than let them work it out, he decides, hey, I'm the leader. I better go down there and smooth things out. So he turns into Ant-Man, shoots out of his ant cannon, and makes his way down there. turns out there's a radioactive beetle or a beetle that's been exposed to radioactivity and now has intelligence and telepathy, I think. And as he gets closer, he can read the thoughts of this thing, talking to all the various bugs, saying, you know, now that I'm intelligent – Humankind needs to suffer. We're going to all unite. I'm going to unite all of us. And there's no way that the human race can withstand a unified, thought-out, planned attack from every insect in the world. And then at which point Ant-Man's like, uh... But before he can do anything, the beetle has his troops, like, knock Ant-Man around. He tries to fight him off, but there's just, like, too many. And then his helmet falls off, so that doesn't help matters because he can't control the ants now and the guy like and the beetle guy just like tosses him down into a a pit in the catacombs of where they are oh and he also steals his uh his growing and shrinking pack so ant-man's stuck 
in a pit and this beetle has turned himself to human size and immediately starts going about implementing his plan. He's got some ants like biting certain officials and making them really sick. He's got other ants like stealing ammunitions like dynamite and guns and stuff right out from the noses of... Did I say ants? I mean insects. All sorts of insects. Not just ants. Well, the beetle uh, has everything but ants. Everything but ants. That even makes more sense. Um, and he's got he's got termites like chewing down telephone poles to destroy communication. So all this stuff's going on that's bad. Meanwhile, Hank Pym is stuck. He's helmetless. He's trying to climb out of the pit. He can't. And he's thinking real hard, oh, if only I had some ants to save me. But luckily, his helmet is close enough to where it picks up his brain activity and translates that to the ants. And the ants go looking for their leader, and they find him in a pit. They get him out. He gets suited back up. He gets out there, and he starts planning a counterattack with just ants. So he's got some ants, like the honey ants, you know, creating honey to stick, I don't know, grasshoppers or something. Some other <laughs> some other insect. And then he's, I don't know, he's got this whole plan, and he, like, uh, he kind of, like, counteracts all the, all the things that the beetle figured out. And then he, he lures the beetle the full-size human beetle into a like toy store. And as they're fighting, he finds like a toy lance and he tosses it with his full-size human strength and it pierces the canister that's on the beetle and the beetle turns back to normal size, at which point Ant-Man uses his vastly superior strength to like shove the beetle into a balloon. And then he takes the beetle home and figures out how to remove the radioactivity and turn it into a regular old beetle again, and at which point he just lets it go free to live its life, because it's not his fault that the beetle was ruined by human intervention, or human mistakes, I guess, or human testing, radioactive testing, I should say. And then the last panel is where I'm not sure if they're blaming the Ant-Man or just happen to be talking about the Ant-Man, but nobody seems to know that the Ant-Man saved the day. From all the insects, they're all kind of like, how come the Ant-Man didn't show up? The world may never know. Shrug. Yeah, there's a point earlier yeah. in the story where like everyone's like, oh, insects are attacking everywhere. Why isn't Ant-Man helping? Whenever Ant-Man was right. like captured and like trapped down at the bottom. So um, they don't know that Ant-Man had any role in this particular story. Um, yeah, but I wasn't sure if they were upset about it or not. They're like, I wonder if he was afraid to tackle the Scarlet Beetle. Yeah, I think that we're starting – I think that blaming the um, – Blaming the hero is something that they're going to do because Ant-Man has no drama. Ant-Man has no angst. So we're going to throw him in a shadow of doubt for the police, which is kind of a thing that um, Stanley got in his craw this month because we're going to do the same thing with Torch next episode. Yeah, but it's kind of a bummer because we were like sort of happy last issue about how cool Ant-Man is that he's keeping the city safe and everybody loves him. Yeah. And now they're going to wreck that. But So this issue is weird for me. I have this weird deja vu with this comic. I have this memory that I thought was from like five issues later or something where the Ant-Man is talking to the wasp and there's this like asterisk, see the Scarlet Beetle issue from, you know, 39 or whatever this is. And my memory is that there's like another Scarlet Beetle story in this Ant-Man run. There is not. There There isn't. Oh, shucks. So I don't know where this memory comes from, but it's in my head. And of course, every time I see this issue, I think about it. So there's this like never ending deja vu, which is just weird. Um, now help me. I know it's been 20 minutes, so I might have forgotten. Didn't we just talk about how bugs don't have greed or vanity? We did, but this guy's now intelligent. 
Um, I'm not sure if the other bugs are just following him because he's a telepath and he's ordering them to do their his bidding, or if they're like, yeah, let's join on this guy's bandwagon. Well, all the ants stay true to Ant-Man, but the other insects do seem to go with him. Maybe he is just controlling them, and he does get the, huma- the, the mentality equal to a human, so maybe that includes the foibles of human minds. I don't know. I mean, it'd be one thing if it was just his kind, because he does say that. He says, now under my leadership, our species will at last fulfill its destiny. But he uses like every kind of animal or every kind of insect but the ant. So, yeah, either we could just headcanon it that, you know, that's part of this new radioactive power he has. But then you got to wonder why the ants didn't follow him, too. Yeah. I don't know. There are very few things of note in this story. Um and as far as Ant-Man's continuity, there's nothing that I think that is of note in this story. Um, I thought it was kind of contrived that whenever he's walking up the fountain, he's holding the popsicle stick just because he thinks, oh, this might come in handy. And then sure enough, it does. So there's like a nice contrived deus ex popsicle there. Yeah. And then I was just kind of like wondering if it's really true that if all the if all the insects in the world decided to go against us, if there's nothing we could do about it, because I feel like we could. Um it's a good question. There is a serious buttload of insects in this world. Like True. the mass of all insects is greater than the mass of all humans. Yeah. That's what I've heard. But we have bug spray. We do have bug spray, but if they're bigger than us, like if they're if their collective oh. existence is bigger than ours. Yeah. I mean, if there's a pile of bugs that's the size of me, that's that's scary. But again, it seems like a lot of bugs, and they'd all have to be in the ground. Like, I don't know. It's a lot of bugs. Well, speaking of big, uh, what's his name? The Scarlet Beetle? Mm -hmm. Him turning large didn't really do anything. I guess there's this one panel where he's taking out a TV station. But, like, mostly no one's like, oh, my God, a huge bug that's going to destroy the world. Like, he didn't King Kong it or anything. You're right. He sends the small insects against people, and they're, like, mysteriously killing people. He scares some people in a park. Help the Scarlet Beetle run. Yeah, that's true. Um, maybe he would have done more. Maybe. But the Ant-Man He actually him. did. He did quite a bit considering Hank Pym was only in that pit for like five minutes. <laughs> yeah. Like, I feel like, I feel like uh, a countless amounts of uh, 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 termites would take like days and days to knock those telephone poles over. Right. But that's, that's always been my beef with these whole insect things it's like i don't feel like they're that fast and the only other thing that i noticed as i was reading it was that like whenever he punctures the shrinking gas he mm-hmm. says and you can't counteract its effect with the enlarging gas because you've already used it all up and it's like do, do the vials only have one dose in them but if so that would explain another complaint i have is why he doesn't switch back and forth more often oh yeah if he can only take like, it makes sense if you take the lid off a gas thing the gas is going to escape Mm-hmm. That does make sense. But if he's only got one shrink and one grow, then maybe that's why he doesn't waste it. Oh, once he once he goes to popping pills, though, it's going to be easier for him to go. I hope he gets past popping pills because that doesn't sound very heroic either. <laughs> that's what he does for a while, though. He has them all color coded and everything. This is my six foot pill. This is my twelve foot pill. This is my three inch pill. Yeah, it's great. Uh, I do like the ending, not the cop part. But I thought it was kind of cool that it's just like, I'll make you a regular bug again, and then I'm just going to let you go because it's not really your fault that we screwed you up. And it allows for a sequel. 
there will be more Scarlet Beetle stories, just not in this Ant-Man run. <sighs> well, that sucks. That's not what I like, <laughs> but okay. <laughs> Darn it, John, you ruined it. <laughs> I just like that Hank showed a little, like, compassion for something that, you know, he could have just stepped Above on. all else, a god needs compassion. Mitchell! Yeah. I mean, he does love the insects, so yeah. he always looks and makes sure he doesn't step on any ant. That's what he said the <laughs> For the rest time. of his life and all of his days. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so that does take us past the hour mark, which means um, we're done with our oh, comics no for today. Where, uh, where do we exist out there, Mike? Uh, we exist at MakeOursMarvel.com and on Facebook and Twitter and Google Plus and YouTube. Uh, which you can find links for at makearsmarvel.com. Um, we are also in RSS feed form and iTunes and an iTunes subscription. And we're a contact form and an email address podcast at makearsmarvel.com. We want to say thank you to Trey Hooks and Christopher Luke for liking us on. Oops, excuse me. That's a burp right there on the podcast. Say thank you for liking us on Facebook. And then also a thank you to William Dixon and Tom Galpin for following the page over on Twitter at Make Ours Marvel. Um, and yeah, until Steve Ditko draws a Scarlet Beetle sequel, Make, Make Ours Marvel. Marvel.